I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Karen from Layers of Learning and I'm here with my sister Michelle. Hello. And we're really excited about what we're going to talk about today. We're going to tell you a little of our thoughts about self-care for homeschool moms. This is another topic that we've been asked about a lot by people. And so we just want to share with you some ideas of how you can care for yourself in ways that will make you stronger as a homeschool mom so that you're not feeling so depleted and drained As we were thinking about this, often we'll do some research before we talk about topics and really solidify our thoughts. We write things down. And what we realized is that when people talk about self-care, it's almost always things like eat chocolate, get exercise, don't forget to go to the doctor, hang out with your girlfriends. And while those things are good to do, that's a very small part of self-care. It's really not even the most important part. Most of those things are really external things. They are quick fixes for when you're having a hard time coping as a mom. And sometimes, let's be honest, we need those quick fixes. There are some times where I say, if I don't lock my door to my bedroom and go get a bubble bath right now, I'm gonna scream at someone. And I don't wanna be that kind of a mom. Sometimes you need a quick fix when you're having a hard time or a rough day. It's important enough to me, some of those quick fixes, that we remodeled our entire bathroom (laughs) so that I could fit a bathtub in. We have a really tiny little master bath, and we had to actually move a wall so that we could fit a bathtub into our bathroom so that I could take bubble baths. Like, so those, we're not saying that these things aren't important. It's just that it's only a small part of the picture of taking care of yourself. On the flip side of that coin, you can approach self-care from an internal viewpoint, internal self-care has a more lasting investment. You may have heard the story about the lumberjack who was asked to cut down a tree and he spent most of the time sharpening his axe followed by a tiny bit of time cutting down the actual tree. And internal self-care is like that. You're sharpening your axe. Sharpening your axe is sharpening yourself so that you can be the kind of person that you need to be, so that you can show up in the way that you need to show up for your family because you've somehow built yourself in some way. And it's not even just so that you can do more things for your family. It's really so that you can be a whole person. So that you have an identity on your own. Yes, and I think every single mom who has ever had a newborn has gone through the experience of suddenly finding out that you're not a human being anymore. You are a machine that takes care of that newborn. Nothing is about you anymore. You quit your job, you stay home with that child, you spend all your daytime hours comforting, feeding, changing, nurturing that child. You don't you don't get to leave the house to go for a run. You it's hard to even get a shower at that point. So we've all all moms have gone through that. You're sleep deprived. Yeah. And you don't even I had a hard time even eating right. I ate right only for the sake that I was nursing my babies and I wanted to make sure they had the nutrients. It wasn't even with myself in mind. Everything becomes about that new baby. And in a lot of ways, that's unavoidable, especially when you're talking about the infant stage. Babies are really, really demanding. And it's not all negative. When you extend yourself to that degree for someone, it builds a massive loving relationship. You can't help but love someone that you pour so much into. So it's not all negative, but you can lose yourself along the way. 
You really can. And so we're going to talk about some ways that you can mindfully have internal self-care as well as adding on some of those little external self-care things. So the first thing is that you need to have an identity. I remember when I had babies and toddlers, I was stuck. We were we were not wealthy. We were very poor. We were poor college students. And I was a runner. That was part of my identity. That was who I was. I ran in high school and I ran in college and I was a runner. But all of a sudden, I couldn't even leave the house. I was no longer a runner. Like I lost a huge part of who I was. So it took me a while to get that back. And I think that some of the ways that you do things like that, where you get back your identity, you become who a person again, your own person, is what we're really going to talk about. I worked right up until the day my oldest son was born. And then I was a stay-at-home mom. And in fact, I was planning on continuing to work after he was born. But he was a really colicky baby and really demanding. And it was not possible for me to take a colicky baby to work, even though my work had said, it's okay, we want you to stay on and we want you to bring your baby to work. And I thought, this is going to be perfect. But he was screaming. He was screaming. Yes. And he had a lot of newborn baby problems that couldn't be avoided and I needed to, to tend to him. But it was a huge loss of my identity when I quit working, especially because it was unexpected. I hadn't planned on it. And I really struggled and felt very much like I lost myself. So I really had to examine a lot of those things and figure out what do I need to do so that I don't lose myself. And some of those things were the internal self-care, the more lasting, bigger parts of my identity. And some were just quick fixes to get me through that external self-care that got me through the, the long days. I think when you're in crisis, whether that's new baby crisis or you're going through a tough family situation, a lot of times all you can do is the external self-care and that will get you through. But you need to have a longer term goal or vision of who you are as a person and work on that internal self-care. So it's probably time that we talked about what some of those things are for internal self-care. So first of all, Like I said, I was a runner. I needed to be a runner again. That was part of who I was. But how can I do that with babies and toddlers? Keeping in mind that I have six children and they're all spaced roughly two years apart. So I never didn't have a baby or toddler for about 12 years. And so how did I manage to do that? First of all, I bought a running stroller. And again, we were poor. So it took me a few years before we actually got one. But I got a double and I was able to take them, the kids with me. And even though that's not ideal, I would my much rather would have gone by myself, I'm telling you. But still, it was something that helped me to regain part of my identity. And then later on, I bought a treadmill because I had more than two kids <laughs> to fit in that stroller. And some of them could ride bikes, but it turned into a circus. It, it got harder and harder. So I ended up getting a treadmill and that helped me a lot too. So those are some things I did that I purposely chose and my husband supported me in so that I could gain, regain that, that one piece of my identity. And I never really went back to work in any way in the way that you went back to running. Um, I have been a stay-at-home mom ever since. I mean, I really, I went into labor with my oldest son and I have never been back to work since. So I didn't regain that part of myself, but I shifted things. The same talents and skills that I used at work I was a manager who organized things and I helped run a kids camp. I use those same skills 
my love of children and child development and organizing things and planning things in new ways. I started volunteering at our church in those capacities. I started a mom preschool group where we all took turns teaching. I just used my talents and skills that I used to use at work in different ways, but it was still all of the things that I really enjoyed doing. My skills and my talents were still put to use. So both Karen and I finished our college educations after we had children, after we became stay-at-home moms. And I think for both of us, that was really important. I had always just expected that I would get a college degree. Yeah, and I, me too. I felt very unfulfilled when I had a child and I hadn't finished that yet. I knew that I wanted to finish it. And so again, through the support of my husband and some good friends who helped me with babysitting, I was able to finish that. And that was that was major for me. That really helped me feel like, like I, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain. Like I was just this person that mattered, that my education mattered, even though I was still a stay at home mom. I cared a lot about getting that degree finished and it has helped me to feel like a more complete person. And not every single person has that as their goal. That was my goal. And that was your goal to, I think since the time we were little girls, yeah, we, we always yeah. talked about going to college and that was something really important to us. Yours may be something entirely different. I had a friend who she actually is a really successful attorney and clearly she graduated from college. I think she has a master's degree, but she always felt like school sidelined some of the hobbies that she wanted to do. So several years ago, she said, I have got to learn to knit. I always wanted to do that because my grandma did it and my mom did it, but I was always so consumed with school that I never had time for that stuff. So she went and took a knitting class. So it might be something completely different that's important to you, but whatever it is that helps define you or that you want to have define you, let that be important in your life and give yourself permission to do those things that matter to you. It's really, really important to have an identity that's you. And that means doing things that you like to do. That means filling your life with hobbies and maybe a job, maybe education, whatever it is. But you need to fill your life with things that are all about you, that aren't about the kids. Like when I took my kids out on runs, they kind of enjoyed it, but it really wasn't for them. I wasn't doing it for them. And that was one of the very few things at that point in my life that was actually for me. And that's what part of what made it so important. I think one of the biggest things that stops us from the bigger investment internal self-care things is mom guilt. Part of that may be cultural, but I think a lot of it is actually how we're hardwired as women. We are nurturers. We want to take care of people. It's what we do. And it's a good thing. That's a very, very that's a strength of women. It's not a negative thing. However, we need to learn to also take care of ourselves and to, we have to decide that we are part of our nurturing crew. We're nurturing ourselves. It's not just nurturing all the other people in our lives, our friends and our children and our husbands. We also need to nurture ourselves and put ourselves into that picture of who we're taking care of. Years ago, I was part of a book club and this was a group of women that I absolutely adored and thought the world of. And we had a discussion one time about this mom guilt. And about half of the moms said, I feel so guilty because I work. I feel like my work takes me away from our family too much. And I just can't get over the guilt that I feel about that. And then the other half of the mom said, huh, 
I feel so guilty because I don't work, because I stay home, and I don't feel like I contribute enough to our family. And so either way, this group of moms was going to feel guilty. And I think that happens in so many realms. I, I think is that's absolutely true. Whether you are taking time for yourself or you're spending all your time on your family, you're going to feel guilty. Whether you're being thrifty and careful with your money or if you're providing abundantly for your children and meeting their needs and their wants, you're going to feel guilty either way. Yeah, like, there, it's inescapable. There are people who are going to say you're not being thrifty enough. And then if you are thrifty, there are people who are going to say, what? Your kid doesn't have Nikes? You know, you can't win. There's guilt on both sides. Sometimes we feel really guilty because we're not being consistent enough in our discipline. And then the next day we'll turn around and we'll feel guilty because we're not being loving and patient enough. Like it's two sides of the same coin. No matter what we do, there's going to be a flip side of failure in our minds. And we manage to feel guilty about it. So I think you have to decide what's most important for you in that, maybe just in that moment, that what's most important may change. But what's most important for you, and then just confidently do it and decide not to feel guilty. I just read an article just the other day, and it was a parenting article. It was called something like 19 things you should never say to your kids or something like that. And I was intrigued, and so I clicked on it and read it. And the very first one was that you should never say good job to your kids. And so I, I've i kind of heard that sentiment before, like you should be more specific with your praise instead of just saying good job. And that was the point of the article is that you should be very, very careful in every bit of wording that you say to your kids. You should never say I'm proud of you to your kids because that places parental happiness in the court of the kids, and that's not really their responsibility. And so this whole article was going on and on about these things. And I thought that might really be a source of mom guilt. <laughs> I don't think there's any mom out there who says, hey, good job after the basketball game or something. Do, do you have that, the mental capacity or energy to script everything you say to your children so it's just perfectly building them in exactly the right way? I mean, who has time for that? So, and then when we don't, we have to feel guilt over yeah, it? Yeah, no. So we sometimes you have to choose to just go, you know what? I told him good job because it was a good job. And we're moving on. <laughs> I think the point is that no matter what we do, we manage to feel guilty about it. We're going to fall short. And sometimes we're going to have to make choices. We can't balance everything perfectly at all times. So yeah, you're going to feel guilty. whether Whether you have a perfectly clean house or you've um, decided to let some of that go so you can spend more time with your kids. Either way, you're going to feel bad about the choice Something. you didn't make. Yeah. Yeah. I think to get over the mom guilt, you have to start sending yourself a different message. People always say the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. I also think the way we talk to ourselves becomes our inner voice. The things we repeat over and over to ourselves. That's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If every morning I wake up and I say, oh, I have to be better today. I yell at my kids all the time. I just keep yelling at them. That's going to segue into me yelling at them more. Because that's who you become because you've told yourself that's who you are. Yeah, I start to define myself in that way. So instead of having that negative mental list that you go through, you can create a positive mental list for yourself. Things that you're good at. I have been so good at teaching my kids how to 
cook. That's something I'm actually good at. Hey, (laughs) like they, they, they can actually cook and I'm not afraid of letting them cook. And so that's something that I've actually done well. There are many things that I haven't done well, but I did that. And so I can focus on either the negative things or I can focus on the positive things. And if we choose to focus on the positive things, that creates a self-talk. And that's part of nurturing yourself too. It helps get rid of the mom guilt and it also helps to create an internal self-care. Hey, mom job is a job and I'm pretty good at it because these are the things I do well. And you're probably not doing everything well. No one does everything well. But if you can start to capitalize on the things that are your strengths, that's going to make you be a stronger person and a better mom. And that is self-care. If you can take just a little bit of time and notice the things that you are good at, the things that you do love about yourself, it's going to go miles in your day. It helps you to see everything in a more positive light. I actually have a spot in my planner that is a list of things that I am good at. I just keep a little list of things that I go, I'm really good at that. And if I get down on myself, I go and read the list. And it just helps me to come out of that slump. So as homeschool moms, I think one of the big complaints that we have is that there's just not enough time. Don't, don't you think that's like, yeah. like we feel like, oh, there's not enough time. And it's true that homeschooling does add on a, an enormous chunk of time intensive activity with your children. Also, just the fact that they're in the house making messes instead of at the school making messes where someone yeah. else gets to clean up after them. Exactly. <laughs> the, we don't have a custodian at our house, but I, I want one. I want a house elf is what I want. A house elf would be yeah, great. That would be nice. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get those. So, <laughs> so what can you do though, if you don't have enough time? And the truth is moms who have their kids in school don't have a ton of time either. I guarantee you, whether they're a working mom or a stay-at-home mom, they are also finding a time crunch. And the reason is because whatever time we do have, we fill it up. We fill it up. And you've chosen to fill up part of your time with homeschooling. So be happy about that choice. And then learn how to carve out time so that you can do that self-care. You have to carve out time to go finish your college education. You have to carve out time to go for a run. You have to carve out time to learn how to knit. And you have to figure out where where can I do that? And so let's talk about some of the ways that we can actually create that time for ourselves. Part of my time crunch comes because I don't just take on my own responsibilities. I take on the responsibility of every single member of our family. So I have four kids and a husband. And then, of course, my own schedule to juggle. And in fact, I have a color-coordinated scheduling planner in Google that reminds me of things. And without it, I couldn't keep track of anything at all. But I take the responsibility for everyone on me. And sometimes the key to carving out time is putting that responsibility back on other people. I remember it was a few years ago and I was feeling so overwhelmed. I had kids in sports. I had kids in scouts. I was homeschooling. I had layers of learning I was working on. There were just all these things, okay? Just lots and lots of things. And I was just like, I just can't do this. And then my husband says, hey, let's sign the kids up for shooting. They can do 4-H. And I just about cried. I was like, I can't do that too. And then I realized, I don't have to do that. And I said, look, you can do that. You can sign them up for 4-H, but this is your thing. You are responsible for getting them to the activities and the meetings. You're responsible for making sure that they're signed up, that dues are paid, that that whatever it is the kids are supposed to do, you're in charge of that. And it's your responsibility. And then I just let it go. I just didn't worry about it. 
and I have done nothing. I, I, I don't even pay it. I don't even put it on the calendar. That's up to them to even get it on the calendar. You don't say, boys, it's time to get your shoes on. You got to get out the door and get to your thing on time. That's, no, that's no. his. And, and when it when it comes at the end of the year uh, the, in August, when they're supposed to get their 4-H project ready, they have to make posters and things for the fair. And the record book. Yeah, and the record book and all that stuff. I, I just went, I'm not doing it. And and if the kids didn't do it, I didn't care. I, I, I had to go, I just cannot take that on. And so I chose not to, which puts it on them. If they end up not getting their record book done, not my problem. You know, they're, they're the ones that have to deal with the consequences of that. In our homeschool, I have given the responsibility back to my kids in the form of their planners. Yes, I do take on the responsibility of writing down some things that I expect them to do, but they each have a planner at their little workstation and they have to check it off. They get to, for the most part, choose the order that they work in and they know that they need to get all of those things done before their school day is done. That doesn't mean we don't have any free time during the day. You know, we usually go outside and play after lunch and there are little pockets of time where we do fun things but they still have that responsibility. And our planners have helped us immensely to take some of that pressure off myself. So I'm not going, okay, now you need to do this assignment. Now you need to do this assignment and running back and forth between kids. Well, they get to manage it. And for me, the planners have not only done that, but they've they've actually empowered my kids. So my son stopped me. Ha- like I no longer had to sit there with him through his whole day. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden he was like, oh, I can do this on my own. This is my planner. This is my schooling. This is my education. And he would just move from subject to subject. And I wouldn't even have to sit there with him. I didn't have to check in on him until like maybe the end of the day or even sometimes only a few times a week. This morning, he came to me. He's 11. He just turned 11. And he came to me. This was at 830 in the morning. And he said, Mom, my schoolwork is done. Now, he hadn't done layers of learning, which we do as a group. But he had done everything else on his own independently. And I was like, you're amazing. You're a champion. I probably said, good job. Good job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because he did do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> he did his job well. Really, when you give some responsibility back to someone else, you're removing the pressure from yourself and freeing yourself up a little bit. And it's also good for the other person. It's good for them to take on some responsibility. That's part of growing up and maturing Can you imagine a kid who had zero responsibility because their mom did everything for them until the day they moved out and just entered the world without any capability? They can't feed themselves at that point. They they don't know where to get clean laundry from. So when we talk about mom guilt... Or they have to be told to go take a shower and there's no one telling them to do it. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I swear that's a problem with boys. (laughs) It is. It is. But when we talk about mom guilt, a lot of times we feel guilt when we give away that responsibility. We feel like... We should be doing it because we're the mom. Trust me, teaching your kids to do their own laundry is not something that you should feel guilty over. That is something that you should feel like is a win when they can responsibly take care of themselves. That's what our goal is as a mom. I do almost none of the cleaning of the house. Uh, we will have big pitch-ins where we all do like a 10-minute pickup and I participate in that. But but on a day-to-day basis... I do not clean the house. I don't sweep. I don't take out trash. I don't do laundry except for my own. Um, I don't pick up Legos or toys. And my kids are a bit older. I mean, this this is not this does not apply to you moms who have babies and toddlers. But once they're school age and beyond, 
you can teach them to actually do that stuff. So while I'm fixing dinner, my house is getting cleaned. And, and I started out having to write down a list on the board of all the jobs and I would make the kids sign their initial next to it saying that they would do that job. So I would write up sweep kitchen and they would put their T next to it, T for Tim, and he would be responsible for cleaning the kitchen. I'd have a whole list. But we've gotten to the point now, they've become such experts that I just say, boys, go clean up the house. And they just do it. They don't they need all, a list. They don't need a list. They, they just know what jobs to do. I, the bathroom gets cleaned. The floors get swept. The trash gets taken out. Somebody goes out and checks the front porch to make sure there's not junk on it, you know, toys from the day or whatever. They just, they know what to do and they just do it. And that's, that's the goal because that will free up a lot of your time and help you to not only have kid time, but have uh, a clean house at the same time. Like you, you can eventually get to the point where you're not having to make some of those choices anyway. And I think one of the keys when I taught my kids that process was starting when they were toddlers because I never cleaned up entirely for my kids, even when they were toddlers. I helped them. I got down on the floor and picked up the blocks with them, but I always made sure that there was a kid at my side cleaning up with me. They have been learning to work since the time they were tiny. Is, is that how you did <laughs> yes. it? I, I can remember taking the little tiny baby hands of my two-year-old and putting them on a block and then moving his hands to put the block into the bin yeah, me because, too. because they don't necessarily want to cooperate with you. And so sometimes you have to be like, nope, well, this is what we're doing. And then you teach them like, and other times they just stand there and maybe they break a plate when you're unloading the dishwasher. It's worth it to have a broken plate for them when they are 10 years old to be able to just do all the dishes completely on their own. Yeah, to be self-sufficient. Yeah, I'm still working on getting my kids to actually clean out the sink after the dishes, but that's, you know. <laughs> that's where you're at now. That's your that's next. Like, yeah, that's that's like the PhD of cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually part of this process too, though. When you relinquish responsibility, you also have to accept that it might not be exactly the way that you would do it. I bet there are some things that your husband did in the 4-H realm that you would have done differently if you were overseeing their projects? I probably would have been way more involved in their projects. The truth is I didn't help them with their 4-H projects, but neither did he. And I probably would have if I had decided it was my responsibility. The truth is they didn't do them. They had to go to their 4-H advisor and tell them we didn't do it. And he made them sit there all through a 4-H meeting, like I think three meetings in a row and do their books instead of doing the activities with the other kids. So I let the 4-H teacher actually ended up with that buck. And he was like, oh, no, you did it right. He was glad because we're teaching them to take responsibility for themselves. He didn't want a parent doing the project. No, he didn't. You do have to accept when you give other people that realm of responsibility that it might not be done in exactly the way that you would want it to be done. I'm very particular about how our laundry gets folded. I have a certain way that I fold our shirts, our pants, perfectionist our socks (laughs) our towels they all have a certain way that they are supposed to look if if my kids get their clothes into the drawer i'm like yes score well that's that's what i've had to do though (laughs) i've had to say i don't want to take on the responsibility of six people's laundry all on my own because i want to be able to carve out some more time for myself and i want them to learn how to do their laundry That means that I have to accept that the towels might not be folded exactly the way that I like with only the fold out and it being just perfectly in thirds. It might not look that way. I have to be okay with that 
and trust that what they're doing is enough. The truth is that they unfold the towels when they take a shower anyway, and it all ends up in the same place. It's okay. So I have a story of a taking responsibility fail. Uh-oh. So, yes, you failed? I failed. So this was when, again, when I had young children, and I had, I had done this particular 5K every year. It was a race, and it was the only one I got to do because you need to understand when I went for a run, I took the kids with me, but that doesn't work well in a race, okay? So I had one race a year that I got to do, and my husband would take the kids because he was in the military. He worked long days. I couldn't go for a run early in the morning because he was already at PT at 6 a.m., and I'm not a morning person. I'm not getting up earlier than that. And then by the time he got home at night, he was exhausted, and we were having dinner, and you know, family life moved on, and I couldn't run in the evening. And so I had to end up taking the kids with me. Point is, I had done this race for years, and then this one year, he decided to do the race, which meant that I couldn't, right? Because you had the kids. Because I had the kids now. So instead of talking to him about it and saying, look, you, you're, you decided to do this race, which means I can't, what, am, what race am I going to do? Or how are you going to make this right? I didn't talk to him about it at all. I just stewed over it. I just got mad. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was mad about it for years. Okay. Because never, this was, you never said anything I, to him. I still haven't ever. He might listen to this podcast. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe you'll get some flowers. <laughs> Maybe I'll get some flowers. I could use a new pair of running shoes, but <laughs> it's better than flowers. It's better than flowers. But the point is, I should have just said to him, look, you took this time away from me. You took this, this opportunity that I had. How are you going to make it right? I should have made him take responsibility for that. But I didn't. Instead, I took it on myself and I brooded over it. And I lost a little piece of my identity and who I was because I felt like, well, I'm just the mom. I don't matter. I don't get to have that time. So we've talked about how demanding, really, that our families take some responsibility, our kids and our husbands and so on. But we can go beyond that. First of all, not everybody has a spouse. You may be a single mom. Uh, He may be not available all the time. You were a military wife for yeah, many and, years. And my husband was deployed often for months or even a year at a time. And Karen's husband is a pilot. He's gone for days at a time. So he's gone more than he's home. He travels five yeah, days we, a week or we, so. We have a lot of, there are a lot of situations where you may not have a support system in the house. And if you have babies and toddlers, they're useless. So <laughs> part of internal self-care is making sure that you do have a support system in place. And that can actually be a challenge to build one, depending on your situation. If you live really close to extended family, they can be your support system. If you don't, you're going to have to work at it a bit. But it's important to build one. So I lived away from family for the first, what, 16 years of my marriage or so. And so everywhere that I went, I had to work very hard to build up some good friendships with people who were willing to help me. And I am not a person who likes to ask for help. I'm a person who likes to offer help, but I don't like to ask for help. Does, does mom guilt kick in? Mom maybe? guilt yeah, be- kicks because in. Because we have this idea that we're supposed to take care of other people. They're not supposed to take care of us. And I should be able to handle my own life and my own problems, right? Yeah. that's You feel that way. But the truth is that we're all happier if we're helping each other. You have to be able to ask for help. And truthfully, when you ask for help, that's helping to build your support system. You develop relationships with people when you help each other. If I ask for help, I always find ways to reciprocate in some way. It might not be the same way. I've had to ask people to tend my kids, 
And then rather than me tending their kids back, maybe they didn't even have kids. I might find another way to thank them. Maybe I bake them a loaf of bread or take them out to lunch or something. But there's something that you can do to reciprocate, but you can't be afraid to ask for help. It's important to get to know people. And some some moms, especially those with babies and toddlers, can feel really isolated, especially, especially if you're an extroverted kind of person and you need those relationships. So, you know, there are homeschool groups, of course, and that's a good place to meet people who have similar lifestyle, similar interests to you, similar um, maybe needs, and you can reciprocate. And you'll, you'll probably have a lot to talk about, too. It's yeah. a fun and there's, person to chat there's, with. There's book clubs you can join. You can get to know people, get to know your neighbors. Uh, I used to get to know other moms at Library Storytime. That's a place where I developed a support system because we knew we were all going to take our little ones to the library and we'd see each other. And then when we were there, we'd make plans throughout the week to maybe go to the park or... Yeah, you have to have the courage to say to someone, hey, how would you like to get together? You know, maybe you've met them three or four times at the library. You have to... Extend yourself Extend yourself. Bit. Yeah. And depending on your personality, that can be difficult. It'd be, it would be hard for me, but some people, Karen doesn't have so much of a problem. <laughs> well, I think it also, the degree that you need that changes. I need a little bit more of a social support system in my life than you do. You prefer to have more alone time. That's more therapeutic to you. And so we all have different needs when it comes to this internal self-care. And part of the internal self-care is realizing what your needs are. Yeah, you have to really examine yourself. What do I really want? I remember being in school and you know in school you've got to have friends and you've got to be popular and like that's kind of this culture of childhood. Right. And I remember feeling like there was something wrong with me because I didn't have a lot of friends. And then it wasn't until I was like in my 30s that I realized I actually like to be alone. I don't want a lot of friends. I want like one good friend that I can talk to once every few weeks. Like seriously, I'm very... Well, and even for people who don't need a lot of friends, you still need some sort of support system. Yes, you do. For those times that are hard or... Yeah, I, I, I had a friend who was also a runner and we both had babies and we would take our running strollers together. And just the fact that we had each other to go running with, like it helped me to get out the door. You know what I mean? Because it's not easy when you've got small children. So just little things like that, developing those friendships. Another place, a lot of people have friendships through their church or their worship Mm -hmm. group, or maybe you're part of a club, join a club. When when our family was in 4-H, we got to know a lot of the other 4-H families really well. And it was not just my support system, but it was... All of us cooperatively had that support system. And it was really nice because, for example, if I couldn't get my kids to a 4-H meeting, there was somebody that I could call who I knew was going. And I could say, hey, is it at all possible for you to come and get my kids? Because I have kids who need to be in two places across town and my husband's out of town. And you you need people who have similar interests and are doing similar things so that they can help you sometimes. Okay, so talking about carving out time. The next thing that to do is to say no. And there's actually two parts to saying no. The first is say no when people ask you favors. Not all the time, obviously. But know your limits. Just because you're a homeschool mom doesn't mean that you're available to other people all through the day. So on the one hand, you want to be part of someone else's support system. You know, it's kind of a an interwoven web where you want to help people when they need help, just like you want to be able to ask for help when you need it. But often with homeschool moms, 
people think that you sit and do nothing all day. And that is not the truth. You know that's not the truth. I wish. I keep thinking, where are the bonbons? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where's my couch? I can't even count how many times people have asked me to tend their kids. And then when I say, oh, I'm not going to be able to do that, they say, but you homeschool. Like, like you're just available. I'm just available completely. And they don't know what I do. And it's okay that they don't know what I do. But I know what I do. And I have to be confident enough in what I do to know when I have to say, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. Part of self-care is not being walked on. Yeah. And I, I a few years ago, I was asked to be a coach for my son's soccer team. And I had coached before and I enjoy coaching, but this, at this particular time in my life, I knew I just couldn't handle that one more responsibility. And I had to say no. And I actually did feel some of that guilt over that. But I knew I had to. I said, I really can't do it this year. I'm really sorry. And they were scrambling to find someone. I knew that they were having a hard time finding a coach. But I just knew I couldn't be that person that year, that season. It just, I had to say no. We tend to overbook ourselves. We talked about how any free time that we have, we tend to fill. We also tend to overfill our lives and our kids' lives sometimes. So so that's the second part of saying no, is saying no to overbooking, doing too many things. And, and at different seasons in your life, it may look different. I used to sign my kids up for sports. I, I told them that they had to sign up for one sport a year because I wanted them, that was kind of our PE. I wanted them to be interacting with other kids, to be learning sports, to be physically active. And so I made them do that. But then I came to a point where my other demands were increasing. I was at a new stage in my life. My kids were getting older and I finally said, you know what guys, if you really want to do a sport, you can do one, but I'm not just gonna, we're not gonna do sports anymore just as a matter of course. And we did, we cut way back. We, some of the kids were like, okay, I don't wanna do sports. And I was like, great. You know, so you just have to decide what is the most important thing at this point in your life and be careful about picking just right and not too many activities to put yourself into. We started a little co-op class at the beginning of this year, and by the second week of the school year, I had to withdraw us, and I felt terrible about it because I had already committed to being a part of this, but I recognized quickly that I was being stretched too thin, and I was unhappy, and the kids were unhappy. We couldn't do anything well because we were so stretched thin. And it's better if you have the right amount of things in your life that you feel like you can do them well, instead of having so many things that you feel pulled and harried and you can't do any of it well because you're just stretched too thin. And it's important to remember that some of those things that you're booking need to be for you and not for your kids at all. Not for your husband, not for your relationships, not for your church community, not as a volunteer position, but really things that are for you. Not just some of them. You need to make sure that you're scheduling yourself into that equation. Again, you're nurturing yourself as well as all the other people in your family. Yeah, the internal self-care that you need, that is doing things for yourself, learning about new things, taking a class or pursuing a passion, doing something that is your identity. That is the self-care that you need. And in order for that to happen, other people have to take responsibility and you need a support system in place. And you need to know when to say no to things that just aren't feasible in your life. That is the internal self-care that we need. That along with eliminating the mom guilt, we need to put that aside. Stop feeling like everything we do is wrong. It's very easy to feel like we're never enough. 
and change that. Change that dialogue inside of you so that your inner voice is building you up. Sometimes it has to be an out loud voice. Sometimes you need to stand in front of the mirror and say the things that you're good at. Sometimes you need to write it in a list. You need to acknowledge what you're good at. See your own strengths so that you're not being bulldozed by that guilt and by your assumed failures. So let's go back to the external self-care stuff for a minute because like we said before, they're not unimportant. It's just a matter of keeping it in balance and realizing that the internal self-care is going to be much more life-changing than the external self-care. But you do need to know what little things you like. For example, I really like to be alone. And so nearly every night I will get up. I actually get up out of bed and I go out into my dark house. Everyone's asleep. And this is like 11 o'clock at night, midnight. And I'm out there eating a snack and reading a book because I want to be alone. And I need to like kind of recenter myself and I need to just have that relaxing downtime where everyone else in the house is asleep and nobody can possibly come and demand my time for me because hopefully they're unconscious. (laughs) They better stay asleep, right? That little nighttime ritual that you have, I think the external rituals are actually often better for us than the quick fixes. The quick fixes are great. Like if you had a rough day, you might, it might feel good for a minute to go shopping or maybe escape by watching a TV show or something. Maybe you need that for a minute. It's not actually going to solve anything, but it's not horrible for you to do that. It can at least de-stress you temporarily so that you can then face whatever the, it's a coping mechanism it's, a coping it's not going to solve anything but it's okay to have a coping mechanism in place time you know from time to time but i think that if you have some of those maintenance rituals in place like you talked about you need that time at night and you know that you need that to yeah, kind of and, recenter and, and i used to feel guilty about it then i just i realized no, I, I need this. This isn't this isn't something that I'm doing that's harming my family or anyone else in any way. I, I need this. I stay up late and I sleep in and, and I need that. I need that schedule. I need that time alone. You're probably a better mom because you do that actually. Yeah. And and sometimes I get up and my, my child says, Mom, I finished my schoolwork already. And I'm like, Yes. Double win. <laughs> Think about that. I mean <laughs> But a lot of other people have their own rituals. Maybe they don't all do your nighttime ritual. A lot of people do some sort of meditation or prayer or just even quiet time of some sort. Um, Some people do a workout or yoga, something physical that can be a ritual that builds you. Some people have to build in girlfriend time. Maybe once a week you go out to lunch with your girlfriends and meet up. Or I know my book club was that for me for a long time. In the city we live in now, I don't have a book club, but we always had a monthly book club. And it wasn't just a book club. Those were all my favorite girlfriends. And we all got together and it was a potluck where we talked about books and just caught up with each other. Those little rituals that you have to look forward to that kind of build you up instead of depleting you, that is meaningful self-care. Okay, so there's two big parts to taking care of yourself then. External self-care, building some little rituals, and having a few coping mechanisms in place. Consciously deciding what those are going to be, what's important to you, what can help you get through it. And then even more importantly, the internal self-care, where you're building and reinforcing your identity as a human being, as opposed to just a caregiver. 
you have classes, you're developing your mind, you're, you're sharpening your acts, you're sharpening your acts, you're using your talents in some way that is fulfilling to you. Those are really important. And then just just squash down some of that mom guilt and realize that your internal self-care is essential and it needs to be done. It's part of your circle of nurturing is yourself. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you all find some meaningful ways to take care of yourselves and build up that reservoir of self-care so that you're not feeling depleted. Please, please, please go subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review and tell your friends about our podcast. So we would love to hear from you also. If you have any comments or any topics that you want to hear about, just send us an email, contact at layersoflearning.com. Or you can catch up with Karen and Michelle in our Facebook group, Layers of Learning Homeschoolers, and we'd love to chat more with you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at layersoflearning.com and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have Have fun fun learning. learning!